Expounded Universe, Season 6, Episode 9. Callista explains it all. The book, Planet of Twilight, by Barbara Hambly. The year, 1997. With your hosts, Jeff and John. What do you say, let's go? Drag me to take hell. Ugh, uh, my jerk-off motion is one of the endless. I mean, or, you know, you can just cover R2-D2 in flesh. <laughs> Welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars Expanded Universe novel discussion podcast. I'm Jeff. That's John. Giving me the thumbs up, because I did it right. Yep. I didn't say anything stupid in there. You didn't fuck it up. You didn't get the order wrong. No. Everything was perfect. Yeah. yeah. What no. an auspicious start to what is bound to be our best podcast ever. I'm sure it will be, Bo. Will be, Bo? I, hi, John. How are you? Bebo. Bebo. <laughs> no. Anyway, what we're going to be doing today, as we do every week on Expounded Universe, is discuss some old Expanded Universe book. And uh, we are in the deep middle of... Planet we're of past Twilight. That. We're I like know. three quarters of the we're, way through. We're, we're sliding down the hill on the other side of Planet of Twilight. Yep. And uh, chapters 15 and 16 this week. Yeah, this time, some stuff, at, like there's some forward movement for more than like one character. Yeah. That, if, I uh, mean, technically, nothing really starts coming together. There's a little bit of that, but I, that's more than we've seen. For so long that I'm just grabbing at it, like, finally. I mean, two characters who we are aware of that are doing different storylines in the book meet each other. I mean, one of them hasn't done any storyline till this point, but no, still. That's why I was like, technically, no. Yeah. It's just the discovery of someone that's uh, mentioned. But Oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, God, you, damn it. you heard what the name of the title for this was, so mm. it's surprise, it's Callista. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. The, the title does have some Callista action up in the name. Uh, so, we open with Luke. Hanging around underneath a speeder, working He's on hanging it. Hanging around this town under a speeder. Yeah, and it's been a long December. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and other Counting Crow songs, uh, Mr. Jones and Me. There, yeah. we got that, got that, that's the trifecta. There you go. All that's right. it. Yeah. That's all of them. Yeah. The, the, wait, is there? No, nope. that's, that's a Mighty nope. Mighty Boss Tone song. Nope, that's okay, it. Yeah, that's it. That's the three. So, yeah, Luke is underneath his speeder. Attempting to repair it. Oh, it's not his speeder. It's just some speeder. Well, I mean, it is his speeder. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. I thought he was under some other dude's speeder trying to repair it for a guy named, like, Broig or something. No, he stole Kroig's... Kroig, that's it. Yeah, yeah, he stole Kroig's tools, but left his money there to pay for it. Yeah, he stole some tools, and he's working on his speeder, and he's lying underneath it in the shade of the speeder, looking out in either direction over the empty, gravelly crap that this planet is. And Luke is... He's having a moment where... He can, even through the weird jumble that is, like, the force on this planet, mm -hmm. he's like, you know, I sense something out there. Ooh, there's some sort of presence, and it's watching me. A presence. I, I always feel like on this planet, somebody's watching me. <laughs> he And he's, he's doing the thing where he's, like, looking to his left and his right, and there's nothing. It's just endless gravelly crystals. Yeah, and he's like, you know, if... I can I can feel with the force that something's out there, but I know if I were to get out from under this speeder, there wouldn't be anything there. I'll close my eyes and try to feel the shape of it. I'll wrap my hand around I, it. I love the shape of it. It's like a like a truncated cylinder that fits evenly and neatly in my hand. 
It's a shake weight. It's a shake weight. Yeah, he found a shake weight. It was just his lightsaber. You thought I was going to describe him finding a force dick. But no. One force dick, please. <laughs> Welcome to Force Dick Emporium. Remember to cup the force balls. <laughs> Which we have already established are on what part of the lightsaber again? I mean, I, it we, depends that, on what type of lightsaber you have. That's Oh, that's right, because if you have a double saber. Because it plops out the side from Kylo Ren's. That's right. comes out the one ball from each of the two like guard chamber things. Yeah. yeah, and then if it's a double saber, it just hangs out of the middle of it like truck nuts. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We we had this conversation. Yeah, we've we've long, been here in the long ago. We have tread this ground. That's right. So Luke's just lying under a speeder, but he gets a, a premonition that something out there, that something intelligent on this planet is watching him, and he he keeps wondering what is the intelligent life on this world, this world where it's definitely the crystals, and I should have figured that out like six chapters ago. But he is dumb. He like actually calls out to it instead of just being like, "Ooh, I'm going to try and use my force and." tell what's going on he's like hey uh hey presence out there hmm? there's any ghosts i'm coming out <laughs> you're not a spooky g -g 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 ghost are you he's just doing the ghost hunter thing from those shitty tv shows oh, he's yeah. like if there's any ghosts hmm. i'm coming in oh 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 shit oh shit oh shit there was a cold spot did you feel it oh, oh, god. oh god something moved my shoulder my shoulder god, i hate those shows uh <laughs> uh. <laughs> that said, I feel like we could do a pretty good one. Oh yeah, I could do that easy. Two fat guys are afraid of ghosts on. I don't know fat uh, ghosts on uh, the Learning Channel. The Learning Channel—that's a perfect place to put that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, because I I can definitely be afraid of nothing on camera uh, as needed. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. not afraid of any ghost. Yeah, and John, of course, is afraid of no ghosts. No, I would just be like, dude, ghosts. I've read about you. I know I've so studied much. your culture. This is my dream scenario. <laughs> I've lived for this moment. I am the only one who knows enough about you to communicate. How would you actually deal with encountering the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, the culmination of your two childhood dreams? I mean, I, I mean, I don't think I couldn't not take a bite. That's the first thing I wonder whenever I... Like, if you see the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, your first thought is, I'm going to try and bite him. I right? got to get a bite out of that. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I got to know. I got to know. <laughs> Does he have blood? Is it spreadable? Could well, you make a fluffernutter sandwich out of him? Well, we already know when he explodes that it's just fluff. It's just like shaving foam in there. And it can't be hot, melty marshmallow because no one like gets horribly burned by it. No, it's just fluff. It's just fluff in there. Yeah. So it's nice, safe fluff. You can make a fluffernutter. Hell yeah. Yeah, or some like Rice Krispie treats. Now, the real problem is if he's already been walking around, you're going to try and bite into him, but his foot is just going to be like dirty asphalt on a oh, marshmallow. Yeah, like filthy. So you pretty much got to like use a stepladder to get a good part of him. Oh, yeah. You'd have to yeah. wait until he's climbing up a building and then like nibble on his finger or All right, something. Actual hard hard mode question for you, John. You have full access to the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Full anatomical Unfettered correct access, access. <laughs> to the Stay Puft Marshmallow what, what do you bite? What's your choice cut of marshmallow? I mean, I feel like you gotta go for... I want to say one of the arm folds. Oh, okay. All right. Like, like an upper arm. Yeah. Uh, but I also really want to know if that hat is also marshmallow. I was just wondering if the hat is also marshmallow. Like, it's got a little red tassel on it. But imagine the disappointment if you bite it and it's just made a hat. And you're like, oh, oh I used my one opportunity to bite one, a hat. My one shot. One opportunity. Oh, <laughs> now there's vomit on my sweater already. <laughs> this doesn't taste like Mackay Pfeiffer at all. <laughs> it just tastes like hat. Uh, yeah, well, I'd probably go for belly meat. Because yeah. I could pretend I was also eating the, uh, the what you call him guy? The, 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 the yeah. what you call him guy? The, the Michelin little, the, man. The, the, no, no, not him. The uh, the little one. The dough boy. The Pillsbury dough boy. 
I could pretend because I want to see if he goes like he he if I like take a huge bite out of his stomach. Yeah, that's what those commercials do. Someone takes a bite out of the Pillsbury Doughboy's stomach, a tiny and person, and as a, a gaping wound <laughs> begins to pour his lifeblood, he goes he he. <laughs> What's this lifeblood? This is dough in there. Well, that is his lifeblood. He's not even. Full I didn't of say dough. literal blood. I said his lifeblood. It's not. He's not even full of dough fluff like the Marshmallow Man, who's basically a thin skin of marshmallow over fluff. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, say. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a mood you're a thin skin of fluff over marshmallow it's a difference uh i'm so sorry about how we aren't discussing the book in the slightest anyway luke calls out to whatever's out there and he sort of feels it come closer but when he gets out from underneath it there's nothing out there and it's just oh, empty. He almost befriended the force presence of planet force presence man yeah, don't worry he'll be back in the next chapter this has been your luke visit yay that's been a page and a half of luke yeah Meanwhile, I believe the next thing that happens is droid stuff. Yeah, so we find out that 3PO and R2-D2 have been captured by a quarantine vessel. Now, when we last left them, they had just lifted off in a Gamorrean uh, sort of smuggling, sort of legal cargo vet, a ship, uh, captained by a, a lady Gamorrean named Ugmush. And they had brought aboard the stowaway Yarbulk Yem, the Chadra fan journalist. Yeah, but who's their friend? We just hard open on them already captured by a quarantine vessel. That would have been kind of interesting to find out about instead of yet another scene where 3PO is standing around talking to this Batman. Yeah, and more of the, well, you know, I've never been one to lie and I can't can't do that at all Mm -hmm. or ever disobey anyone. Yeah, it's just the follies of building old-fashioned droids, the series. Uh, so, yeah, they're in they're in a holding cell along with a couple of other, like, people that were on board Ugmush's ship uh, on the, the, the Laotic or Laimotic or something. It was just like some boring name. Yeah. Uh, that was a, that's a quarantine patrol vessel from the planet that they were on. It's a rebel ship, technically. Yeah, so this is mostly... Uh, Yarbulk basically explaining what the plot is to the droids. Thank goodness someone's finally explaining the plot to the droids, because it's really important that they know what's going on. Well, yeah, this is going to be like the third time someone has explained the plot to someone. Yeah. Just because if you haven't got it yet, the Lorinar Corporation, they're the bad guys, but we need to fill up six pages with a Chadra fan telling the droids that Lorinar is the bad guy. So it turns out the Lorinar Corporation has been equipping armed rebellions all over the place. They were behind the Gopso'o tribe having gas and guns back on uh, whatever planet that was. Nim... Nim... Nimdrovis. And, you know, when we first saw the droids, there was that uh, rebellion going up on the planet they were headed to originally. Mm -hmm. uh, As well as, of course, the... Uh, the newcomers on what the fuck? Namchorios, Nimdrovis, and Namchorios. Yeah, it's real hard in my head to separate those two. Yeah, so so basically, Lornar Corporation is backing a bunch of little like backwater rebellions all over the place against the uh, the the New Republic. But you know, three uh, PO's just going, but but Lorinar also supplies the Republic with things. Yeah. So many of their weapons came from that during the rebellion. So Chadra fan guy Yarbulk explains that it, the way that the uh, Lorinar Corporation op- operates is that they fluff senators. 
like super, just suck them off. Just super fluff senators. They they give them like illegal super sex pads and stuff all over the galaxy. Like anywhere you go, the senators live in a house that was provided for free by the Lordar Corporation, full of like all kinds of insane technology that's not available yet. And the Lordar Corporation uh, funds all of their pet projects. So whenever some guy's like, I'm a senator who supports the freedom of slaves on some planet, the Lordar Corporation jumps in and gives them a bunch of money to do that. Yeah. So that everyone is they're in their just pocket. buying people. They're just buying people. But in addition to that, they're also essentially it's in their best interest because they're like a weapons and droids and whatever manufacturer mm-hmm. to keep conflict going. So in addition to selling to the Republic, they also sell to the Empire guys. Yep. And at this point, he's like Lornar Corporation, he says, is like funding what is what's his not Gatellus Moff Gatels yeah Gatels Jettles Jettles Moff Gentle Nuts yeah Moff Moff Jettles Moff it's 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 grand it's regular Moff he's not a grand regular Moff Jettles and Jettles is uh, getting backing from Lornar I assume so that the conflict will increase and then. The Republic will want to buy from them and whatnot, so they're just out there to make money. Yeah, they're playing the middle, and which is a really weird choice, because you'd feel like a burgeoning New Republic would also need a whole lot of garrison emplacements and shit as they spread out across the uh, the galaxy and, and form more like new friends. But whatever, sure, go ahead, Lornar Corporation. Lornar also thinks that they're going to be really, really important in the New Empire. Uh, it's a big part of it. They, they're going to get unfettered access to things like Namchorios for its uh, its crystals and so on. So uh, they they are definitely going to be trying. They want the Empire to kind of win. Uh, at least they want them to win the Namchorios. Yeah, well, at least Peduchus, here. The Peduchus Chorios system. Because uh, so, there's shit they want, oh and they won't get it from the Republic. Yes. Now, now they are using CCIR technology to do this. But we already know all of this. Yeah. Again, it's just the book explaining it to droids now. Now, now notably, uh, R2 is already in some holding cell for droids somewhere. Uh, or, well, no, he's, he isn't. He's, no, he's I'm taking sorry, the cubes from him. He's got a re- he's he's got a restraining bolt or something on him because he so, gets because there's a whole thing where three PO is like, well, my disguise of, as a human must have worked really well because they've already treated R2 like a droid, but they've just let me be a human because yeah. I'm wearing a disguise to look like human guys, but I'm not a man. I'm a three PO. <laughs> Yeah, but they're all still together in the same holding area because mm-hmm. every time, time Yarbulk like, brings out a cubes. data cube, yeah. uh, R2 just grabs it with one of his little pincer things and puts it in his processor and reads it. Yeah, every time Yarbulk's got his cubes in his hands, uh, 3PO just reaches out and grabs at him. No, no, the R2. 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 Also 3PO. Uh, 3PO. All the everyone's, droids are ev- grabbing at him. Everyone's crazy for Yarbulk's cubes. <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Yarbulk cubes. So these little cubes he has are basically like data hollows. And they prove that the uh, the Lornar Corporation is behind all the bad stuff. And the we get a little bit new information, such as apparently Lornar knows that he has this information and has been sending assassins after him. Mm-hmm. Like that's who he was being chased by yep. on Nimdrovis. The, the Gopsoo were hired by Lornar to kill him specifically, in addition to the regular war that they're always fighting all the time. Yeah, that's why they were uh, Gopsoo chasing him. Um, and a few other little details here and there. Uh, he is extremely eager to get to his publisher because he's got a lot of good information for them. Uh, then the captain of the ship that they're on comes storming in along with some, like, Republic troopers. And she is a goat hall, uh, which means she's one of those goat dudes from way back in the Mosaic and Cantina days. The ones with the cone horns who were really proud of their cone horns. Well, yeah. And uh, 
3PO ditches the disguise now because mm-hmm. the Gotals have those sensitive horns. Mm-hmm. And so they can just tell that he's got, like, some electricity and mechanical shit. So he's not actually a human. So he's like, all right, fine, fuck it. I can get rid of this. Hey, everybody, I'm a droid. Very well. I shall reveal my secret. I'm electric. Boogie, woogie, woogie, woogie. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, but as it turns out, go- the Gotal's like, yeah, I don't care. Uh, here- here's the here's the deal. We're gonna take you apart for parts because we need the parts. We assume you are smuggling drugs or something inside of your robot. Yeah, and they're like, he's like, no, I belong to Princess Leia. Oh, that's a great cover story. That's a ridiculous cover story. Hey, somebody, somebody, take this guy's robot apart and look for cocaine. The best thing that happens during this, like, sorry, oh, space cocaine. Yeah, <laughs> spice, spice cocaine. Um. The, the best thing that happens, or the most important thing that happens during this exchange is that 3PO is like, no, really, I belong to Princess Leia, and I'm really worried because she was recently captured. And the Gotal's like, I just got off the phone with Princess Leia. She ordered us to capture you guys. Well, she's the one who authorized yeah, uh, the, this, this uh, quarantine. The quarantine shit. Yes. But the important thing is it's Princess Leia doing it via hollow because Legaeus is out there faking her hollows. Yeah. So, uh, so that's happening. Uh, so the two droids have been ordered to go down to uh, processing because this this ship apparently is dangerously low on microprocessors. So the droids are just going to be disassembled. <laughs> yep, for like the 16th time in this book, someone's like, wait a minute, droids without someone that owns them? It's free parts. And of course, you know, when... Uh, when the Gotal's like, hey, who's that Chadra fan you were talking to? 3PO has to go like, well, I'm not allowed to lie to sentience. So uh, that that's Yum Yobo. That's that's Yarbolk Yam, and he's he's a reporter. That's for Yum the- Yum Yarbos. <laughs> yum Yum Yarbos four sticks. That's Yum Yum Yarbos. He's a minor league baseball player. <laughs> Sick narf loop knock. Uh, no, like uh, he he can't lie to um, to sentience, I guess. So he's like, even though he's been disguised this whole time, which is a lie. Yeah, the uh, whatever the rules that he's fl- that he plays by are are insane. The three PO rules in this book are bad and dumb, and I hate them. He just makes the worst decision possible. That seems to be his whole code of conduct. So he's like, "Yes, that's Yabulk Yam," and they're like, "Oh, perfect, get him." And they, they cool. I have I have this little slip that says, "Kill that dude." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it turns out that this uh this captain, this Gotal captain, is bought and paid for by the Lorinar Corporation as well. Uh, because she is, she immediately has him caught by stun bolt, so they just stun him up against a wall, and then she goes, "Yeah, put him in airlock three. Yeah, so they're gonna kill him. So three PO and R two are being taken off to uh, a place to get disassembled, mm-hmm. and Yarbulk is getting taken over to airlock three to get shoved out into space. Yep, and that's the end of that. Uh, although we do get a little fun Rai moment from three PO. He's like, "I would really like to live for just a few moments at a point where no sentient beings are trying to claim me as property." Yep, and I'm like, that would be almost amusing if it wasn't a trope that is annoying in this book. <laughs> He's basically the Coke bottle from The Gods Must Be Crazy at this point. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's that's them, then Leia. we got to go to Leia. Leia's the last part of Chapter 15. When we last left her, she was jumping off the edge of the balcony. Using and, that, that, that weak hover thingy. And uh, she is... Fine, and headed towards the uh, the gun emplacement. Yep, which is still very far below her down the cliffs. But uh, she's still uncertain how she managed to get down safely. Oh, I guess there must have been a little bit more magic in that old anti-grav unit. <laughs> Happy birthday! <laughs> Why can it talk? It's Star Wars. Of course, it, it, everything talks. It either talks or it beepity boops. <laughs> 
so yeah, I guess we're supposed to think that she floated with the force and she doesn't realize she's doing it or uh, something. I, I think don't know. I think the crystals did it. I think the the planet is intelligent and it kept her alive. Do you think that? I if you think I'm sexy, uh, yeah, no, I do think that's what happened. I, I think don't. that she I think she talked to the crystals and they didn't let her die because they like her. So they I don't they, think the crystals did shit. All right, well that's, that's your prerogative to not think the crystals did shit. I do. Anyway, what she does at this point is she takes a reflective blanket that'll heat up because of the sunlight, ties it to the anti grav unit, and just sort of pushes it off down the canyon with the idea that if they're tracking for her heat signature, maybe they'll chase that instead. Yeah, she's like, all right, anti grav thing, you go that way. If they're trying to find like a heat signature, I'm going to shove this thermal thing down that way. And then whatever gonna... they're trying to use to track me on crystals. Yeah. They can't exactly do footprints. Yeah. And then what about if Beldorion tries to find me using the force? I don't think I need to worry about that. He's too fat in a hut to do those things. And I was like, Leia, you space racist. Well, yeah, she's like, well, there's a whole lot of weird nonsense going on with this planet, but also I'm pretty sure that guy's a dumb asshole and can't do anything. I'm like, come on, Leia. This dude's a huge, powerful old Jedi. Let's... I mean, let's be respectful. He's already almost hypnotized you when you've been near him. So yeah, don't don't discount that dude. Yeah, but you know, leg- also he's like what fifty feet long or something. Come yeah, on. he's forty five feet, forty six, forty seven feet long according to the book. Yeah, he's completely enormous. He's a dragon man. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, Actually, he's he got to be that big in order to fight the eighty foot tall <laughs> yeah, the plant Odin. man. Yeah, th- folks don't know that, but that's actually the climax of this book is the Clash of the Titans moment when that hut takes on the Hoden Doctor. <laughs> uh, yeah, you thought it was a typo, but nope. <laughs> nope, everything's as big as they say it is. Uh, so, anyway, she starts making her way towards the gun emplacement. Uh, she has to rappel down some cliffs to get there, and the book's like, in, in a single sentence, it's like, it's super dangerous, and she thinks she won't make it, but she does. <laughs> I was like, alright, well, that's uh-huh. way, to, way to build tension. I mean, at least we get descriptions of her... Like, her feet are all fucked up and bloody, and she's had to use mm-hmm. uh, silver space tape a whole bunch to yeah, continually mention- repair her shoes. They keep mentioning her duct tape situation. She's t- she's taping her shoes back together. She's taping up her legs so that Drox can't get them uh, get in there. Because there's a new wrinkle that's been introduced at this point. Drox make you tired. Whenever Drox gets you, with the, the bigger Drox, when they get you, you get real tired and sleepy. Well, I mean, we already had the scene in the stairwell where it was like, ooh, these things are draining my energy. Yeah. So uh, so she's trying to keep the Drox out with, with silver space tape, which gets mentioned constantly. Uh, I mean, and also she has a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Okay. But yeah, she gets makes it to the gun emplacement. Apparently, these gun emplacements, super easy to break into. No big deal. Well, she... Apparently already has a grappling hook, yeah, she has but a it's not hook. long enough, so she has to destroy her blanket. She's like, well, I hope when I get inside there's like some warmth in there, because otherwise I'm going to freeze to death if I can't get in. Yeah, notably this planet is extremely hard to survive on. There's no water, uh, and because there's no oceans at all anywhere on the entire planet, at night it just gets ultra cold, because yeah. there's, no, there's no heating elements that keep the, uh, the, the uh, sun's heat. So she manages to extend her grapple hook and throw it onto the edge of this thing, and it works. Hooray. Yeah, she makes it to the top of the thing. And then she just lightsabers her way in there. So now she's inside of the gun emplacement. When you know it, it's dark in there, so it's full of big drocks uh, and also, like, dust everywhere. And surprisingly, a lot of, like, ammunition, and uh, but not for the gun emplacement, just, like, bullets. <laughs> you know. Bullets. They actually say that. There's like powder uh, cartridges wrapped in, in ancient paper and stuff in here. 
Yeah. They use the term paper. Papel. I, I mean, let's be let's be realistic. That's the first time they've used paper instead of flimsiplast for anything. <laughs> I was impressed to see or hollow facts. Uh, actual paper wrapped around these bullets. Yay. Uh, but yeah, like she finds spare clothes and shit like that in here. So apparently someone's been using it as like a, a site, uh, a hideout of sorts. Probably the old the old timers. Probably. Because I mean, we ones- already know that they protect these sites and can go in and do the guns manually and stuff like that. Yeah, so, so she's probably found her way to an old timer camp. She gets in there and starts looking around, and then all of a sudden, she picks up a disturbance in the force. <laughs> Or just hear footprints. One of those. Well, yeah, no, I mean, she's trying to find a uh, communications device in here. Yes. She's like, is there more than just gun? Can I actually find the equipment to send out a message? I need to send out an SOS. And she does not find it, but eventually hears she had placed a barricade up at the door mm-hmm. where she had sliced it open with a lightsaber. And she hears that crash. And she's like, oh, fuck, someone's here. Yeah, so she tries to hide. She, like, digs herself into a bunch of spider webs and shit and tries to hide in a corner and, like, stills herself using the force and so on and so on, whatever. Uh, And then boots stomp around all over in the place. And then all of a sudden, her hiding place is swept aside and a red figure says, What up? Leia? Cut. Scene. Callista? Callista? Cut. Scene. It's you? Cut. Scene. Yes, it's me. Cut. Cut. Scene. Scene. Lots of cuts. Lots of wipes. Each one has its own music. <laughs> Star wipes, as far as the eye can see. Every little thing she does is meh. Okay, next scene. Cut. <laughs> scene. Uh, okay, so that's the end of chapter 15. Leia has been encountered by Callista. Yay. And we start right back up with it in the next chapter. Uh, yes, the two of them are having... Long, winding girl talk about... I guess this is girl talk. Long, winding, boring discussion about the Force. I... Okay. So, this is another one of those points in the book where, like, when the droids had that moment where they almost met up with Han and then it lifted off, Mm -hmm. because... Leia finally escapes from the fucking mansion she's been in for 270 pages Mm -hmm. and meets up with one of the MacGuffins of this book. Yes, the core MacGuffin of Luke Skywalker's story and and an old personal friend of Leia's. And at this point, I'm going, cool, great. Now it's all going to start coming together. But like the main thrust of this conversation with them is, oh, well, I can't. I can't ever go see Luke Skywalker again, and I'm probably just going to leave anyway. Bye. I'm like, you motherfucker of a book. Will you stop that? So Callista and Leia are having a long discussion about how the Force is difficult. Uh, (laughs) The Force is hard. That's almost the tenor of this discussion. Uh, First of all, Leia spends a lot of time looking at her and one... my Remem- goodness. Re- remembering all the story that we have no idea about because we didn't read that book. Oh, Dr. Wigglebutt, you don't look anything like when you were a doctor. So uh, now you look, you got the brown hairs and you look like more like Callista, I guess. So apparently Cray Mingla, who was the do- the doctor who gave up her own body because she wanted to find her dead husband as a ghost uh, to, so that Callista could have a body in the in the present day. Uh, has started to kind of fade away. I guess the soul of Callista is making this body look like the body of Callista from th- hundreds of years ago. I guess. Uh, so 
Her hair is switched from blonde to brunette, which is not a dye job. It's actually just happening. Yeah. And her nose and fa- otherwise face in general has started to shift over to what Leia recognizes as Callista, which is weird because when we first meet Callista, like, I don't know that much about Callista. I've read her books, but it, I was like 14. Uh, she was a ghost inside of a computer. Well, the way it says this is she's like, I look at the face and I don't see the doctor anymore. I just see Callista. Oh, okay. And I'm like, okay, it might just be that you no longer associate that face with that person and now it's really become yeah, that could Callista. Be. Uh-huh. But it, it is also saying that her features are changing. Yeah. So she's turning slowly into the Callista she wants to be, and not the Callista she has. She's stuck with. Uh, yeah, Cal- she's putting out the Callista she should be in the world. Yeah. So Callista still doesn't have any force powers. She lost them all when when she took over Cray Mingla's body. She had them as a ghost. Cray Mingla had them as a person, and then when she puts her ghost into Cray Mingla's body, the force just doesn't work. Yeah. They just they were just too positives. They didn't they didn't connect right. I mean, I got to assume that it's something to do with the body and the spirit being like not compatible yet and so all the changes that she's going through are going to culminate in her getting force powers maybe someday i don't know i actually don't know where callista's arc comes to an end but uh this has a lot of i'm scared of the dark side from leia because she already had that nightmare where like anakin uh goes "Eh, i'm evil now yeah yeah, i'm the evil one and it's anakin specifically yes because this book doesn't know what actually happens yeah uh so she's really afraid of the dark side she's really afraid that she'll end up like her dad uh she's like i don't want to try and learn the force because what if i turn evil and callista's like oh the only way you won't turn evil is if you learn the force yeah you need to follow luke's advice and study the force because the force will keep you good you uh, got you got to study the ways of the Jedi because otherwise you'll just get emotional at some point and lash out without really knowing how your powers work. And then the best I can figure is that Callista's like I can't be around Luke because Luke's just a big puppy dog. He doesn't understand like the the dark side in the slightest. He has like absolutely no concept of it. Well, they they have this whole conversation that's like Luke's the only person I know that doesn't want power and doesn't understand wanting power. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of like. Yay, I like being friends. Let's all have a good, fun, study buddy group. Yeah, and she's like, I can't be near him because that's not me. Uh, and I he, might drag him down to the dark side if I'm near him. Yeah, because I'm, I'd be like, hey, Luke, you could probably have power. So that's why I can never see him again, you understand. You understand never again. I mean, I kind of like that this is practically explaining the the why Jedi can't fall in love stuff from the prequels. Because if they fall in love with anyone who's like, hey, you've got Jedi powers, those would be useful for cheating and stuff. Hey, you got Jedi powers, you should probably just, like, win at stuff. Yeah. John, how long would it take between when you discovered you had Jedi powers and when you arrived in Las Vegas? <laughs> I mean, how long does it take me to get to Vegas? Uh, it's about a four and a half to five hour drive from well, here. Then probably about four and a half, five hours. Yeah. <laughs> or less if I just walk into an airport and be like, you'll let me on this plane. <laughs> I have to get to McCarran, please. Yes. <laughs> Actually, private helicopter to Luxor or whatever. That's the way. That's like the least likely one to have a helipad. It's a pyramid. Oh yeah, <laughs> the helipad at the top of the Luxor, please. <laughs> Oops. Oh, sir, I can't. That's reserved for the usage of Carrot Top only. <laughs> he doesn't use it as a helipad. He jumps up there before every show. Oh, from is, ground. He is quite jacked. <laughs> he 
just leaps there every time. I, every time I think about the Luxor, which is like this sleek black space tech hyper pyramid, it amuses me to no end that the person who has like a lifetime commitment there and does com- comedy there every day is Carrot Top. It's great. It's it's it, you'd think that they'd have some sort of like slick production that they. Well, I mean, but I'm they, not sure what that would be. They've got uh, raw. That, oh, uh, that is true. They do have raw, which is their like I think their Cirque mm-hmm. equivalent there. Yeah, but Carrot Top performs at the Luxor. Yep, four times a night a week. Why not? I, Fuck well, it. The last time I was at the Luxor, I saw him. Um, just walking around on the yeah, floor. not not paid to see him. That I did is. not go to a Carrot Top show. No, but you did see him yeah carrot top was walking around we were he wasn't just in the casino floor because neither were we were just like in a one of those connecting hallways from it to another casino or something yeah. i think it might have been where like, the luxor has like a connecting bridge to i think the excalibur and something like there's like four uh hotels that have connecting bridges yeah and we saw carrot top walking towards luxor from something else yeah and i was like holy shit that's carrot top the most famous person i've ever seen in las vegas <laughs> So uh, I don't know. You've seen me in Las Vegas, and I'm pretty famous. Have I ever seen you in Las Vegas? Have you and I been in Las Vegas at the same time? I don't think that's true. Holy shit. I don't think it is true. Yeah, I don't think you Oh, my God. Yeah. We got to go to Vegas. I know, right? Fuck this podcast. (laughs) I've been to Vegas maybe four or five times, but never with you. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) You'd think, given that the two of us have a lot of similar experiences there. Yeah, it's not like neither of us have been like oh yeah we're not gonna go to vegas since we've known each other Mm -hmm. we've definitely been several times individually Mm -hmm. huh yeah interesting yeah now now we really do need to now now it needs to happen i know (laughs) (laughs) uh anyhow sorry about all that where were we uh leia and callista's conversation so callista's like you understand don't you why i can't be with luke because i might drag him down to the dark side and her you know leia's response isn't just you know don't try to be a good person. Yeah. How about you don't? You know, the vast majority of people don't turn to the dark side. Like, like they may become petty, selfish jerkwads, but they aren't like evil Sith lords. Not all. Not all of them. Yeah, but instead, Leia's like, "Oh, that totally makes sense." Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. That's that, that. That's why you'll understand that I can never see Luke again. That no, that doesn't track. No, it. that doesn't really make sense. That feels really dramatic. Yeah. Also, I mean, aren't you worried that? Just straight up dropping out of his life and being like, oh, I sent you a message and then was not willing to see you mm-hmm. would drive him towards the dark side. Even creepier. Yeah. You really didn't think this through at all, did you? Oh, well, whatever. You could be friends with him. You know, people can do that, right? Nah. Like, that's the thing. that You can be friends with exes. Nah. Yeah. Not in Star Wars. Uh, that's why Luke and Leia are not friends. That's true. Yeah. It's a, it's a well-documented canon fact. <laughs> Anyway, that happens for a long time. Uh, they are looking out into the bitter night sky. I don't believe that there's anything at the end of this chapter yeah, that it's, matters. It's just Callista yeah. and some old timers up at the station, and all they have is that conversation. That's right. And then it turns out that there, there's a few other old timers that are with them, like John says. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, meanwhile, we have to cut to Han for what, like a page? Like l- slightly less than a page of Han. Yeah. And it's just they're on a lava planet where another ship has crashed. Yeah. It's the same thing. More of those little needle ships fucked it up. And in this case, all the people on board the ship are already dead, so they don't have to do another rescue mission. Uh, also, the needle ships managed to expose the radiation core again, so everyone died from radiation, cold exposure, and giant boring worms that are common on this planet. So basically, the Graboids got these guys. And, uh, like, basically the entire page is just 
a description of the planet they are on, and then Han Solo sees an invading fleet come in. Yeah, so he that, sees Gatellus's ships come rolling in. Yeah, he saw fleet. three of them come sailing in. <laughs> they came rolling in three deep. <laughs> uh, so a bunch of Imperial ships show up, like led by, I believe, a Star Destroyer, but just the one. Uh, and then... I mean, it doesn't even say what it is. It just says he Gatellus saw an, inva- an invading fleet yeah, come think, out of hyperspace. I think Moffs get a Star Destroyer. I think that's just... I don't the, know, I man. That's in the rules. Who knows what they got? Yeah, you never know. Also, this scene, this uh, chapter bit does give us enough description of Lando to know that his hair is crispy, uh, because he comes out uh, combing his crispy, slick hair. Mm, uh, uh, crispy. Yeah. So his hair—it might be curly, crisp hair. I think it might be curly and crisp uh, that his hair is described as. But good for him, Lando, keeping it tight, well into his, I believe. Mid thirties or late thirties, high here. and tight. Yeah, he's he's looking good. He's looking real good. Uh, the Lando is the least used character in this book. It's embarrassing. Why do they even bother with him? I mean, it's him and Chewbacca are both just along for the ride. At Chewbacca this point. gets nothing in this. He's not even mentioned in this chapter. He might as well not be on the ship. No, he gets a like a one word thing. It was like also Chewbacca is on the ship. Yeah, don't forget Chewbacca. <laughs> like that's basically it. Is it describes Han and uh, Lando coming in. And then Chewbacca is just also there. (laughs) He didn't go out. He's just on the ship. They're on some pointless lava planet that will not matter to the story, so we can move right along. There's just nothing. Yeah, that's just a page of setting up the fact that an invasion is happening. Okay, meanwhile, uh, we have the second... It's like the encore scene to the the Dread Captain escape from earlier in the book, where R2 escapes from the the ship while 3PO stands around and complains about it. And here it is again. Yeah, it's just the exact same shit. R2 somehow manages to duck away from their pursuers. No, man. They're, pursuers. They're, they're, they're in a hold. They're in a hold. They're waiting for the holding cell shit to happen. And R2 is like, hey, beepity boop, can you, like, pry that thing off the wall there? And 3PO's like, well, I can't imagine why you'd want me to pry a thing off a wall. It's it's, it's not like you've ever used your abilities to talk with a ship and open things and generally cause chaos. I don't know why you'd want access to a panel. You know these traitorous rebe- uh, rebels who are going to kill us in a minute are going to be very cross that you've had me open a panel when they wouldn't want it opened. <laughs> It's just so annoying. I, just yeah, wish that, I, I wish R2 just had a code he could use on 3PO that just turns off his personality. Uh, it's just like, beep boop, you're a regular droid now. Uh, very good. Bend panel. Yeah. It'd <laughs> be so much better. I mean, we do get a little bit of business of apparently C-3PO is just yoked. Yeah, he's like, got super strength. He's just like, oh yeah, I've got a ridiculous droid arm, and I can bend metal with it super easily and yeah. pull this panel off. There's, there's a whole paragraph where he's like, I would obviously never use this on any sentient creature, or even a living species, because I'm simply... I a, would never squish a fleshy bit. I'm a harmless droid. Meanwhile, I'm going to poke holes in this metal with my finger. Oh, it's not very strong metal. Anyway, burp rip. You're like, whoa! Hey. That seems like it would have been really useful in a variety of situations that have happened to you in the past. Yeah, that seems like that might have come up at some point. Yeah, but uh, but anyway, it turns out no, no, it, it 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 wouldn't. Like he couldn't break his way out of that net in uh, on uh, the forest moon of Endor. No, no, nothing. Just just useless. Um, so he pries that thing loose and he turns to R2 and is like, I don't understand why you'd even want this open. You don't have coaxial input cables because for the 14th time this book, I've forgotten about all those strange, all that strange shit that's bolted to you. Oh no. Oh look, you do have that. That's oh, right. You oh. have a little box. You're just covered in little boxes that are filled with little things. Ooh. <laughs> Brown paper packages oh, covered in string. This These are a few of my favorite things. This one's full of delicious gubbins. <coughs> <coughs> gubbins a bag. <laughs> Uh, okay, so, 
So three R two can use coax cables, as it turns out, which is great if they want to get like cable. Yeah, old timey ca- cable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he uses it to basically hack that airlock so that it won't open, and then instead it opens from the other side so that Yarbolt can get out. Yeah, and he also makes it so that to every other sensor on the ship, it says that it opened even though it didn't, so that they think they did kill him. Yeah, now now he starts uh, navigating Yarbolt through the ship by opening and closing bulkheads to get him to where he needs to be, uh, while 3PO just maintains a kind of running commentary about how this is all very silly and he shouldn't be doing this. Oh, we still have restraining bolts. Even if you open the door, we can't go anywhere. And as soon as he finishes that, Yarbolt is there and pries the restraining bolts off, and he's like, oh, that's right, I'm a complete fucking moron. I completely forgot sentience can remove restraining bolts. I'm a big dumb asshole. Yeah, I'm not sure why all of R2's behavior wasn't stopped by the restraining bolt in this situation. Well, the restraining bolt, as far as I can understand from what C-3PO is saying, is just stopping them from leaving. Oh, like, okay. it's it's one of those electric dog collars, essentially, for them. Basically, it's just like when they have those things on shopping carts that turn the wheels off if you go past the yellow line. Yeah, that's pretty much it, as far as I can tell. Yeah, like the whole ship has a yellow line on one side of it, and it's just covered in tottered over droids. <laughs> Oops! Oops, a daisy. Oh my, can someone please come along with that weird little beepy device you have to use to unlock me? Oh, that's what those little mouse droids are for. <laughs> zip, zip right along. Beep boop, you're unlocked. Uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, that's what's going on with them. Yarbulk shows up and they're like, great, we have to escape. And indeed they do. There's a little more description here. Yeah, they run to... Uh, it's, the the ship has Aqualish. The hangar. Yeah, the ship has Aqualish mercenaries on it. Yeah, well, in the... Uh, holding chamber where they were. Mm-hmm. There were some Oculus dudes they had picked up, some smugglers and whatnot. Yeah. And so they're just going to go ahead and take one of their ships. Also, the guards on the ship are Sullustin. They mentioned that real briefly. So some Sullustins walk by, but they, like, hide from them. Yeah. And they're just, like, walking by with rifles. So those are that's Nian Num people, the people with the, the flappy jowls. But the... And again, there's another thing where they see the ship and 3 is just like... Oh, could you actually make that ship start up? And I just have to imagine R2's like, why do you continue to question me? (laughs) Know that I can do fucking anything, you useless pile of shit. I know. Imagine how bad R2 feels at the end of any given day when he's just walking around with 3PO who just denigrates and doesn't believe in him ever. Oh, They're the worst couple. No, I mean, I feel like 3PO is basically just droid-splaining all the time yeah. to R2 what he can and can't do. I basically ship R2 and nobody. <laughs> I ship R2 and his own freedom in life. Yeah, R2 and another R2. <laughs> R2 and himself. Yeah. Just Built to- as another droid, and they just get it on with each other. Yeah, yeah it's, they're perfect together. Because, man, 3PO is a bad partner. Yeah, I mean, we've had... Different versions of 3PO in different books that we've mm-hmm. read. And sometimes he's a sassy little bastard who's like, oh, I'm just fucking with people. But in this book, he is as incompetent as I think we've ever seen anyone be. Yeah, this might be the worst 3PO. And that's saying a lot because we've had some bad 3PO before. Like the time when he needed to have sarcasm explained to him, even though he's a protocol droid. Yeah, or what is cheating? What is it to bluff? <laughs> what is it to love? 
do I have a soul? And you're like, okay. Uh, uh, how do you not know this stuff? You know what love is? It's in your dictionaries. You are a Just protocol droid that is supposed to be here so that you can have people talk to each other. Yeah. How do you not have this? Yeah. You're supposed to be a really good protocol droid, too. I mean, you're the primary protocol droid for, like, the person in charge of the New Republic. You'd think that she'd request a better one if he was that crappy. Ugh. This guy doesn't know what bluffing. That'll pay for the programming to upgrade him. Something. Jesus Christ. But, yeah, uh, they are... Like in a steel and aqualish patrol craft and escape from this ship. Uh, it turns out aqualish patrol crafts are shitty, so Ponda Baba and his people make crappy old fashioned ships. Great. Uh, the ship has to, like, like the hatch on the thing has to be screwed shut like a submarine. Yeah, it's got one of those, like, big turny wheels. Mm-hmm. I like to think that they are now on basically a horror movie ship where they have to open and close everything with big turny wheels and everything. Oh, yeah, big, they're rusty. on an event horizon ship now. Yeah, everything's all heavy and oily for no good reason. Every time they go into a new room, steam shoots yeah, out. Some vents. Oh, what the hell was that? Why was there a violin sting? <laughs> why does this spaceship run on steam? This is so, Why does it have a concrete floor? <laughs> I don't understand. Why is everything a grate? <laughs> There's so many shadows in here. It's lit with just light bulbs hanging from the ceiling. Bare light bulbs. Bare light bulbs dangling from a cord in a spaceship. Who built this? <laughs> oh, the horror movie spaceship. They steal. <laughs> uh, I don't remember if the. It, I know there's a part in this chapter where uh, where Yarbulk explains the CCIR uh, droid fighters to them again. And he's like, yeah, they're made out of a, a whole a shell company owned by Lorinar's. Uh, shipping containers, which they modify into little needles and put a, a, a drive shaft and a laser into. Yeah. And that's it. And, and I think, I don't remember if that's because they show up here, like no. the droid fighters show up, or if he's just explaining it. No, as he ro- just, in the last chapter when yeah. he was explaining all of the Lorinar's things, he also had to be like, also, they have these little matte black needle ships, and that's what blew up because they saw uh, how they got caught. We didn't mention it. The way they got caught by these people last chapter was. As they were leaving the planet, there was a Republic ship that was killed by a bunch of these That's right. needle yeah, yeah, ships. Yeah. Oh, gosh. We, get, we definitely need to talk about that. And yeah. then they went to salvage the blown-up Republic ship, and that's when the quarantine ship showed up. Yeah, because Captain Ugmush was like, I'm not wasting good salvage on you idiots. You only paid me, like, 57 credits for a ride to Cyblock 12. We're going to go. And, and she actually, like, had all of her, like, Gamorrean dudes suit up in spacesuits. I would love to see that. Oh, yeah. Well, it's they're like, oh, we had spacesuits specifically made for Gamorreans. Yeah, like, they got oh, cool. built-in axes in the hands. <laughs> space axes. Yeah, they're just giant pig spacesuits. Uh, so so that happens. The ship gets blown into three huge chunks by the needle fighters. Uh, and then Ugmush goes over there to salvage it because she's a moron. And then the uh, the Namchorios patrol boat shows up and takes them all prisoner. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens there. Uh, okay, so this time, though, they're escaping in an Aqualish patrol craft, and Yarbulk has a plan. Great. His plan is something like, here's how I, I think this will work, guys. My plan is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you two a way to get to Cyblock 12, and I'm going to get to where I need to go so I can talk to, like, the publishers of Trinebula or whatever. Yeah, he's like, look, this isn't going to make it to Cyblock because it's a shitty ship. Yes. But I know where we can go to trade this ship in, and... <laughs> 3PO's like, oh, please, God, no. Oh, for not love more of God, this. Please, not, we're going to land on another crappy planet, and I'm, some dude's like, oh, free droids. I, I know that's going to happen, and I already hate it. Yeah. I hate this plan. I hate it to pieces. I would, I'd rather have R2 take over the ship and fly where we need to go, because he can very clearly do that. Ugh. 
Anyway, uh, we're done. We're down to the last little bit here, which is some Luke business. This is the end of the line. So the end of this chapter is Luke shows up at Seti Ashgad's place after Leia has already left in order to rescue Leia. Great. Thanks, book. <sighs> yep. So he gets to the bottom. It turns out that the staircase that Leia was trying to take to get to like the garage or whatever earlier is actually like 300 meters high. Like, uh, the, the, apparently, so the, the garage does exa- in fact exist at the bottom of the mountain that the ship is on, uh, and then there's a staircase that, like, a, that goes up to the top of the mountain through the mountain. Yeah. Uh, it's 300 meters, the book says, which means it's a little over a thousand feet. Yeah, of, which, I mean, staircase. This might be another situation where you can cut off the end of that and it's actually 30, but who knows? Yeah, well, it's lots and lots of flights of stairs, so it's probably actually 300 meters. Uh, it should be an, a turbo lift shaft, but instead it's a, it's stairs. Uh, perfect spot for Drox to get all huge because there's no light in there. Yeah. Uh, so Luke makes his way past the well-appointed black mobcat gladiator or whatever the fuck that... Yeah, he that, goes past the land speeder. The fancy car that we've had described like four times now. And he gets to go into nasty bug land, but... When he gets in there, he gets to go up like three flights of stairs before he even sees anything. He sees the, like, drock goo on the walls. He's like, okay, they've definitely been crawling around in here because the walls are literally just painted in drock goo. Yeah, he has also started using silver space tape to keep them out of his, uh, out of his, like, legs or whatever, but apparently they can burrow right in through it. So he starts noticing, after about three flights of stairs, he starts noticing medium-sized Drock making their way, like, through his, his Yeah, like, bindings. Drock the size of his thumb yeah. start trying to bite into him. Which is big, because normally they're the size of fingernails. Yeah. Uh, so he's, he's like, holy shit, these Drocks are huge. Uh, and when he looks closely, he's like, wow, these big Drocks actually have, like, parts to them. You can see that. The bigger they get, the more complex they are. Yeah, some of them have gribbly tentacles or legs or both. Yeah, some have, like, little pincer arms, but they just get more stuff as they get bigger. Yeah, yeah, they're basically just living games of spore. So, eventually, he gets to the next, like, flight, Mm -hmm. where it's that flat area before you start going up the stairs again, and it is just, like, a welcoming committee of a fuck ton of bugs, Yeah, and he sees the, like... Hand-sized spidery things. And yeah, he, and he eventually even sees the the leader one, the one that's described as like a big crab with eye stalks. Yeah, and he has enough Jedi sensitivity to determine that that one is the leader, and it is organizing attacks against him in He's waves like, of oh, rocks. The reason there wasn't anything on the first few flights is because he set up a trap for me. Yeah, and he pulls his lightsaber, which he can use to burn them. But they are there's so many of them, and they don't really care if they get burned. Also, they're super tiny, so he's yeah. like I. I can't swing this fast enough to kill all of these. And every time one of them gets into him, it makes him tired. More and more tired. Yeah, it's the same thing like was happening with Leia. Every time one of these things gets a hold of him and starts burrowing in, it's draining his life force. He makes a lunge attempt to try and get the crab-sized one that's in charge of the others, but it just dances out of the way. <laughs> yeah, so this thing is particularly efficient at being a little badass that stays out of his, his line of fire. Uh, and eventually, he uses the he, he, thinks, he doesn't want to use the force because he thinks he'll start one of those force lightning storms. Uh, but he gives up, and he just uses it to kind of push them back for a second. Well, yeah, he because he has, like, a bunch that are just sort of burrowing into him. Yeah. And he uses the Force to just blast them all out of his flesh. Mm-hmm. And he has a moment where he goes, like, oh, man, doing this is, this is probably going to fuck someone else up. But then he also goes, yeah, but if I don't, I am actually dead. So 
here we go. Yeah, and the chapter ends with him going up the stairs, just using the force to blow waves of these things away from him. Yeah, he's just got like a force whirlwind around him. Yeah, so Drox can't get at him, and he's just going up these stairs. And that's pretty much where we where we leave him. Yeah. He doesn't make it to the top. He's just fighting his way through hordes of gross bugs. Great. I mean, at least it does give a confirmation to what I was saying with uh, when Leia went in here, which is just... They when they eat the other Drox, they turn the Drox into more like oh, energy yeah. for themselves. Yeah. The so dr- the big ones have just eaten more Drox than the other ones. Yeah. They're they're just sort of uh they're basically Tyranids. They just they're just the bio- more biomass you get, the better you are. Yeah. The bigger ones are just made of more biomass than the little ones. There's a point where they try to attack Luke, and the big ones grab little ones and throw them at him. Yeah. Like they're they're a highly advanced species up in here. So that's kind of cool. I mean, that's I, I wish we'd gotten to this like you know ten chapters ago. Yeah. Instead of just doodling around. Just farting around. But if we had gotten that and then been like, ooh, Dazeem's a weird, super hyper-evolved version of this. Amazing. Yeah, that would have been neat. But instead, it's just farting around on Rock Planet. My one question is, is Dazeem something that Ashgad was purposefully building and that's why that staircase is there? Where he was like, oh, I'm going to build a thing that's just... Total dark, I'm going to pack that motherfucker full of these drocks and let them survival of the fittest until I get a dude. That would be kind of neat. I mean, this this I, one of the things I think we're learning is that the Seti Ashgad here is the same guy. Yeah, he's, he was, he's, he's been here and he's only staying young because he sucks on Dazeem. Which means that he had to do this pretty quick. He had to build that staircase and realize that he could live off drocks. You think he was living off drock juice before Dazeem showed up? Well, I mean, they did say that some, if you have the lesser drocks, instead of them draining, they kind of like dissolve into you. Yeah, and you get a little enough food to kind of make it home, but not not live forever makes you younger kind of shit. Yeah. So apparently that's a that's a magic power that's unique to Dazeem. Although the other thing is that the Death Seed plague has happened before. Like everyone's a scare, everyone's all afraid of it because it's it's happened to them in the past. Yeah. So presumably the the uh, Dazeem isn't the first super drock. Maybe, uh, yeah. I, although I have no way of knowing one way or the other. But but yeah, uh, it looks like Seti Ashgad basically has a whole plan that involves these things. So yeah, that's uh, that's where we leave her. That's where we're done. We've hit the end of the chapter. We uh, I'm sure it's going to get really interesting in just a minute. I'm the, sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, How yeah. could it not? <laughs> based on based on nothing. The other thing I the thing that gets me at this moment is that I remember the one thing I remember about this book is that the person who takes out Beldorion is Leia. <laughs> I remember that very clearly, that Beldoria, Beldorion is killed by Leia at some point in the future in the book. Sorry, spoiler alert. Oh, my God. But who kills Ashgad? Is it Inigo who? I don't even know if he dies, John. I honestly... I, I bet it's disease. What the hell did you read me this book for? I, I, <laughs> mushy stuff. Is this a kissing book? Um, I'm afraid it's a kissing book, yes. Yes, this is a pornographic book. <laughs> no, okay, but no, I, which means I'm wondering how Leia gets back up there to go kill Beldorion. I don't know. Yeah, but I'm almost certain that the person who kills Ashgad is just Dazeem. He's, he's. I mean, that seems like the hoisting of a petard like that you I was, would want to do. Yeah, if I was writing this book, it'd be Dazeem uses the death seat on Ashgad after Ashgad crosses some line. Yeah, it's like because we already know he's getting pissed off at Ashgad for like treating him like a servant, yes, or an idiot, and he's yeah. like. My dude, if you keep keep this up, I'm going to straight eat you. Yeah, I'm going to take over this organization. I think that's, I mean, I'm not saying, I don't remember that. I don't remember how anybody else in this book goes out except for Beldorion. But I feel like that's that's what would happen if, if I were writing this story. Yeah, there you have it. All right, John, 
Any thoughts on this chat, this season of chapters? This season of the, the witch. This, by this, ep- by this season, I mean this episode. I don't want your views on the entire season. Well, nope. Okay. What great. I do have though is bonus content oh, for sweet. you. Let's talk about bonus content, John. So we are about to do a deep dive into Wikipedia for the bonus content to this a here show. Yeah, who knows what we'll talk about? There are so many interesting things that we could talk about. Solistons. Uh, Dingles, Aqualoppers. I'm sure we already did Aqualish. We can't do Aqualish again. Oh, don't you worry. You I've can... got a thing already set. Oh, you figured and it out? And it's cool. Although last time you had a thing already set, we had already done it. So I don't know. Because I, yeah. I, I found my notes I did for when I did Gamorians a long time ago. <laughs> uh, just the other day. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, what we do on the Expounded Universe bonus content, Expanded Expounded Universe, is we go to Wikipedia, we find fun stories from Star Wars history, and we come back and we tell them to each other and to you. And you can unlock that for two bucks an episode, usually about $4 a month. Yep. What a bargain you get every single week bonus content here. You get bonus content for the System Mastery. For a little bit more, you get bonus content monthly. That's you right. You get so much fucking shit is crazy. These guys here, they're giving away all this shit. Way too cheap. What are we doing here? We're just handing it out. Just standing on the corner of your local five and dime from five until nine. Passing out the hot content. Ooh, that hot content. Can I get that content in a bun? In a bucket? Yes, you can, sir. In a hot bunket? A hot bunket, sir. You got it. Find all that and more at patreon.com slash systemmastery. Hell yeah. Hell dot yeah. Or find us as System Mastery wherever fine books are sold. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Elan Sleesbagiano. And I love drock sticks. 